In today's episode of VFM The Pensions Podcast, we're talking to Liz Ferti, Chief Client Officer of Rotec Media, about what value for money means to her. Welcome to the 37th episode of VFM, the Pensions Podcast. And as usual, I couldn't be happier to be joined by my co-host, Nico Aspinall. Oh, thank you, Darren. And uh, well, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see you. Fantastic to see you. What an interesting week we've got to talk about. Um, lots of news. Lots okay. of lots, lots of news. Um, you know, some of it about defined contribution pensions, which I think is where we like to, to focus our news brief. Um, but uh, I'm sure we'll be covering many other important topics, not least climate change. Climate change. Mm. OK, well, look forward to discussing that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Arsenal. Yeah, yeah even, even, American it, football. Well, that's what I talked about last week. Yeah. Uh, How about the Ryder Cup? Oh, the Ryder Cup. That was good. The sports segment. <laughs> yeah, the sports segment. So congratulations to Europe. Yes. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. they let us be part of the Ryder Cup, given our relationship <laughs> with Europe now. But, um, you know, um, we, we can be grateful. And it was, um, I don't know if you call the Ryder Cup a match, but it was a good match. <laughs> okay. I think you'd probably call it a match. Um, so today we're joined by Liz Ferti, who is Chief Client Officer of Rotic Media. And my notes say, Liz, that you have an excellent career in financial media. You started off at the Global Pensions magazine. You were at Financial News, uh, part of Dow Jones. Um, you launched Chief Investment Officer magazine. And yeah, you've just done a bit of everything, haven't you, really? Welcome. Thank you very much. I think we call the Ryder Cup a tournament or oh, in our, a tournament. And in our house, you call it Don't Speak to Me Those Days. Um. <laughs> It, there's no point in speaking to my husband whilst whilst it's on. Also, I think the Europe Europe are quite pleased to have us because I think Tommy Fleetwood was instrumental in getting us across mm. the line. I just hear this from the fringes. Excellent, excellent. So when but, but if a tournament, it sounds more like jousting in medieval days, medieval <laughs> days and stuff, rather than a well, modern a, golf tournament. You've got a similar implement. You could turn the golf club around. I don't well, know. That's true. That's true. I don't know. It's really we, we how did, it works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we did we did very well. And we thumped well, we we thumped the Americans. So. Yeah, that's all you can hope for in many, many ways. I, um, I know nothing about this sport myself. Um, oh, I've had to learn. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for the lovely introduction, Darren. And I've hoped to have an excellent media career. Um, yeah. And starting Global Pensions all those years ago, who knew that I would be thrust into something so hugely important to British society and the British economy yeah. as pensions? <laughs> I just I thought it was what old people did. Oh, no, well, well, we'll come on to talk about that in a minute, Liz, mm, um, mm. about your career and also your um, your, your moderate views about the pension pension system and, and what we get right and what we get wrong. Um, <laughs> but but we start with the news, don't we, Nico? We certainly do. Yeah. Liz, what, what have you brought in for us? Um, well, there's, there's a huge amount of news as ever um, infiltrating pensions channels at the moment. But <clears throat> what I really wanted to kind of look at is this underlying theme of climate change, which if you look at a lot of the news, the trade websites at the moment, I'm looking at pensions expert at the moment, um, you know, it's about natural capital. And, and on a lot, a lot of the trade magazines, we're talking about, you know, new regulations, TCFD, TNFD and all these, this other stuff. Mm. And I don't remember at what point this happened, but climate change and soon biodiversity has mm. become the pensions industry or the institutional investors industries problem to solve and it seems to also have been a little bit our fault too and I, I remember something similar during the financial crisis 2008-2009 when all the terrible investments are coming out and oh god isn't this awful and you know the banks were being really really bad and hang on a minute why were the shareholders not doing anything and all of a sudden for a brief moment during the financial crisis like hang on a minute it's pension funds problem it's pension funds fault that the economy's collapsing. And then we kind of go away again. 
And with climate change, it seems that we've that the pensions industry and certainly the investment side of it has become the whipping boy for, mm. for climate change. And, and it's on it's beholden on us now to yeah. have a sustainable investment policy. It's beholden on us to hold these companies to account. It's beholden on the people doing the investment to make sure that, um, you know, Thames Water or whichever, you know, poster child for environmental destruction is up next. Mm-hmm. It's the pen is like why do, where are the shareholders? And I totally get it. You know, you own something, you have to have ownership and stewardship. I totally get that. But everyone else seems to have left the room. You know, mm-hmm. the corporate the corporate responsibility themselves, the regulators, the politicians who turned a blind eye because they were getting invited to all sorts of things. There's so many links in the chain, but ultimately it comes down to where are you going to put your capital to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And it keeps falling at the feet of trustees who in many, many, many cases get about a quarter of an hour every quarter to figure out what's happening in their pension fund portfolio. And if it was easy that Brian from Wakefield, who has been seconded on as a trustee on a pension fund, to sort it out, then we wouldn't need the DWP, we wouldn't need DEFRA, because it would just be so simple. So for me, I'm just getting a little bit tired of having a whole cataclysmic disaster which is happening to the earth put the foot of a dc pension because they didn't you know tick a box on the stewardship form so that for me and and i and i think we as an industry as the media we've been very quick to say you know so and so hasn't done this and so and so you know they've signed up to all these they've signed up to all these treaties and all these agreements and there's the pathway for this and the you know association for that and that's wonderful but i think and as I say, the media has got a lot to answer for generally. But in this one, it's like, look, guys, we can't do it all. And someone has got to be the voice of the industry to say, well, we can be part of the solution. But we we didn't instinctively start, to quote Billy Joel, <laughs> Billy Joel the today. we didn't start the fire here. It was yeah. the corporate activity of these companies that before we ever came along, so we could only do so much. Also, let's be honest, if, you're a, if you own 0.4% of BP, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, I, I want to come back to everything you said, but uh, like, there's uh, it's interesting you mentioned the the whipping boys and the financial crisis because so for me one of the interesting pieces was the LDI crisis last year, mm-hmm. where the pensions industry was whipped for a few weeks, yeah. but then we managed to go straight back to the Kamikaze Liz Truss <laughs> madness, right? And um, it just it's sort of it's, it's a strange one that we kind of dodged the bullet a bit on LDI, I think. Yeah. Uh, where probably leveraged LDI. Oh, we're not allowed to talk about DBRE, Derek, but leveraged LDI, um, you know, what should have been in the firing line, should have been talked, I think, um, more sensibly and debated. Yeah. Um, but actually, we just put, you know, un, unfunded tax cuts as the the centre, which may well be kind of kind of true right but there was a, a big pile of wood waiting for a spark um and maybe we should have been better fire officers on that one but yeah darren sorry you're going to say something on, on yeah I, just, I, I think you make a really good point liz and i think you know pension funds do have a role to play institutional investors do have a role to play um active stewardship active engagement is really really important and i think that um you know pension fa- funds and schemes and investment managers have been found wanting on that historically mm-hmm. um but i think is it it's proportionality, yeah, and um, I, I've got sympathy with you. Like, like pension funds and schemes can do more; they should do mm-hmm. more. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about consolidation in a minute, mm-hmm. um, not least because oh, it's yeah. my news story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but you know, as these schemes grow, as they consolidate, then we should be able to do things better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, it's one part of the jigsaw. Yeah. yeah? And um, I think quite often we lose sight of the other pieces of the jigsaw um, that need to fit together to actually develop solutions um, that work. You know, um, you know, we've talked on this podcast quite a lot about, um, you know, green policies and the politics behind it and all of that. But, you know, I think it was last week or the week before we were talking about, um, you know, the, 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 the date being shifted back for cars to be yeah. you know, um, electric by five years. And that, that short term political mm-hmm. aspect just yeah. just just makes this incredibly difficult. And you've got yeah. a global and a national coordination failure there. Yeah. So, yeah, I've yeah. got a lot of sympathy with your with your view, but I wouldn't want pension schemes and institutional investors to, you know, to drop the ball on this. A hundred percent. That's that's entirely right. Um, 
and I think you're right when you say that that asset managers and consultants have a, a question to answer here. And in my so six years ago, I was writing at Financial News, part of the Dow Jones Network. Everyone knows it. Um, and we used to try and really put questions like to asset managers, like, "What are you doing? What's your policy on sustainable investment? How does this work?" And we got a range of responses because at the end of the day, fund managers don't want to upset anyone. They don't want to upset their clients who don't believe in it, and they don't want to upset the clients who strenuously believe that they must do more. So there's this kind of muddying of we've got in the past six years it's got better, and so and a lot of the a lot of the asset managers, quite a few of the big asset managers now are our clients at Rotate Media, and we have to help them put together their not the strategy for, L, for LDI, sorry, Nico, you've got them on the LDI rant now, <laughs> uh, put together their strategy for sustainability in ESG and whatever it is towards and investing for the energy transition. But at the end of the day, a lot of that's still marketing and I'm still not entirely convinced. Mm-hmm. As much as we want to keep pushing forward, I'm not entirely convinced that everybody is on the bus. In fact, I'm yeah. sure there's a load of buses going the other way mm-hmm. and there's, you know, they're, they're hedging the bets a little bit. Um, so that's that's entirely true. And I think we don't have we shouldn't stop. Um, and just to snip it, and I love bringing this story out. I bring it out a lot. It's one of my one of my hobby horses. When I was writing at Global Pensions in 2006, I emailed t- the top 10 in terms of asset under management, asset managers in the UK. And I won't name them. But at that point, the top 10 were some of the top 10 you recognize. Some of them have disappeared. Some of them have merged. And I emailed every single one. Hello. I'm a, you know, bright young cub reporter from Journal <laughs> Pensions magazine, bright eyed, bushy tails, you know, still drinking champagne from the night before because those were the days. Um, can you tell me what your sustainable investment strategy is? Of the 10, two responded. Mm. One of them said, I, I don't know, Liz, come back to us. The other one said, we don't have one. Why should we? Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you, and I know because I, I didn't get the emails because I think Incisive Media got rid of the servers, but <laughs> all 10 of those asset managers now claim that sustainability is in their DNA and that they've been doing this for 20 years. Mm. And it's in, it's, I find it incredibly disingenuous and I've written comments about this, you can find them on the web, because until we have this authenticity about sustainability, the end investor who we're all doing this for, by the way, as much as it's lovely us sitting here and me doing this and you doing what you guys do, the end investor walking up and down the high street, they need us to, to get in this right. Yeah. And this and this kind of claiming that everyone's been always on this bandwagon and you know is disingenuous and it's and when we get to what value for money means to me, this is it. You have to be authentic. And if you got it wrong in the past, just hold your hands up. No one's yeah, going to think yeah. any less of you. In fact, we might think more of you for doing it. And for yeah. me, that's the sustainability thing we have to unravel because we still have people coming to the parties and I've been here for ages. Yeah. So so, so what, what should we do on climate change? Because, I mean, so, so fundamentally, um, uh, you know, the government um, uh, seems to be stepping away, right? So um, there are various uh, moments that they had to either pin their colours to the mast or, um, well, pin their colours to the other mast. And it seems like they've chosen a lot to uh, kind of provoke a bit of a climate change debate, which is potentially healthy in this country. Um, we can talk about high speed too. Um, I'm sure our northern listeners and particularly our uh, northwestern listeners um, will be, uh, well, we will have heard about this story. Um, let's put it that way. Um, but, you know, we're going to the PLSA. I, people are going to the PLSA in a couple of uh, weeks time. And, um, you know, are they now in the future, they're expected to be driving there or uh, catching the bus, I think was on the list, flying there should be be flying from like Luton to Manchester Airport is that is that what we need um so you know it's clear to me that the government should do more in actual implementation of climate change um mitigation they're the ones who've been pulling the lever of saying you need a climate TCFD you need to be uh kind of on this Mr trustee Mr and Mrs trustee so um I think that's really interesting the other the other the other side of it is you know Ultimately, the companies don't burn that much fossil fuels, 
we burn the fossil fuels, right? We as societies are the ones with the gas boilers and the petrol engines and uh, who, you know, are commissioned the builders to put the cement down and all of that kind of stuff. So, so uh, you know, that loop between the government we elect and the democracy, you know, en masse, that connection seems to be the broken bit. But mm -hmm. the weird thing is that we've sort of got this this other form of democracy in pensions where we're, you know, you, you might be a, mem a member of a million member plus scheme. And that seems to be kind of the, the route that is picked. It's, it's, it's a sort of odd situation, isn't it? I, I've got a fundamental, I've got a fundamental problem with this government and I don't mean, well, maybe I do, but I've got a fundamental <laughs> problem with how, you know, short term politics and this adversarial approach that we have to politics mm. in this country is it, the only thing it does is score points off each other and the, mm. the poor get poorer, the rich get richer. That's that's mm. it. You know, we have it's the same in the States. Um, and if you go to other countries in Europe, if I did modern languages at university um, and I had to learn about lots of different um, political setups all around Europe. Okay. And there's a lot more like collaboration. And we have to get on here. It's yeah. just taking chunks out of each other. Yeah. And we're all in Manchester in a couple of weeks. You know, the, probably the bodies will still be there from this week with the, with the Tory party conference. <laughs> but it's let's just see how many points we can score and to hell with the people we're meant to be doing. And it's not just mm -hmm. this government. It seems to have become this over however long. So I remember talking to my dad about this. My dad's been dead for years, but my dad, you know, talking about, and it wasn't a gentle politics. It was a more collaborative politics. That, mm. That's gone. And the only the only people who are going to lose out is us. And it's not the SPADs, it's not the civil service, it's us. And I think with climate change, something so crucial and so fundamentally important to everybody, it's been used like a political football. It's, it's like a political golf ball because we'll just reach into the bag and get another one. Right, yeah. Um, so I don't know how we, I think this government, I mean, if they get in again, I don't know, but I'm not entirely sure that with the political system we have, this adversarial setup, it's going to be much better because you're just going to have the other guys or whoever they are, the other guys and girls coming in. Well, we think that's like, well, that's wrong because, but, mm. and we keep going further and further down the road. And I think a lot of people, one of the problems that we have with, with not just the pen, not just the government, but the pensions industry too, we speak to people like morons. We started, you look at the BBC website, you look at the national newspapers, we speak to people on the street like they are stupid. We have dumbed everything down. The news we get, every single, it's just not, look at the television that we're watching. We've dumbed everything down so far. You know, I heard one of the MP, one of the Tory MPs saying, it's great HS2 isn't happening because Mrs. Miggins sitting there, you know, she's H2, she's never getting the HS2. What's it matter to her? Such a, it's brilliant. Like Mrs. Miggins is a state pensioner who hasn't got any money. And because yeah. the economic benefits from HS2 aren't going to filter through, yeah, okay, she might, she, she's not going to be a millionaire. But we speak to people like they won't understand and that they mm. can't understand. And we just think they will just take any old line. And it's the same really when we speak, you know, a lot of time, you know, the PLSA, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, the, the, you know, the, the dialogue is usually very good, but not just the, the government. We This public discourse at the moment, like we can't tell them this because they won't get it. So let's just give them any old crap. Uh, crap isn't too offensive. Um, we could squeeze that one in, don't, yeah, we? don't worry. We can, but, um, it's a fundamental problem and it kind of filters into the whole of everyday life. We can't, we say we can't explain investment strategies or whatever to the trustees because they're not going to get it so let's just give them volume you know it's it <laughs> we've got to raise this level and if you look at the education stats for this country it's horrifying so mm. like a third and, and i can't source this and as a journalist it's killing me to say it but there is a source and it's somewhere and i know my my um the roasting ceo is going to kill me for this but it's not like a third of people in this country don't have qualifications like right. this is this is a travesty but it's also exemplified in everything that we do because we speak to people people in, in office and high you know the higher echelons of power speaks to people like the morons you know yeah. this means this so therefore that you know we talk about china's output of carbon china's output of carbon is because we buy too much stuff yeah if i sit and look around my house i have far too much stuff and i don't buy a lot we have far too much stuff we outsource and we third party away our guilt for carbon, for the fast fashion. There's a there's a new uh, show going to come on about how we're exporting all our fast fashion, the waste, the charity shop waste to Ghana. You know, it's just horrendous. But yeah. we're told, look at them over there. Look at China. Look at Africa. They're worse than we are because look what they're doing. We've exported our guilt. But 
as trustees, we need to understand this, but we're not being told. As the pension industry, we need to be really upfront and honest. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. We don't have, you know, we don't have kids. For one of the reasons is because climate change will kill everything. I mean, also, you don't need expense and, you know, they have to pick people up from school. But unless we get this right and start talking to people as if they will understand we're never going to get anywhere and, and looping it back in a very long-winded manner to how the pension scheme industry and pension funds are involved in this. It's that we have to have a grown-up adult conversation about our impact, both negatively, but the positive impact that we can have as shareholders, as providers of capital through the bond market, which we didn't even think about for years mm-hmm. on the sustainability conversation. If you starve these companies of capital, they can't do anything. Yeah. If you just keep swapping shares between a group of people who all believe the same thing, nothing's going to change. Mm. Yeah. So I think the climate change thing, and I think the trade media to bring us into it too, we need to do a much better job of holding people to account, asking the right questions to government, to investors themselves, to the master trusts who are amassing all this power and all this, you know, because unless we do, I mean, we've already seen, I live in Hartford, some poor kid was struck by lightning. You know, the, the stuff, yeah, struck by lightning on Tuesday night. It, you know, the world's weather patterns are completely screwed. We need to do something now and just saying, well, it's China's fault. Or, you know, well, the government aren't doing anything. We have to take responsibility, but we also have to understand the, 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 our, how far we can go. And just saying it's our fault and our responsibility isn't good enough. So, so I mean, here's a question for you, um, and then we should move on to to Darren's secret story <laughs> that 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 we don't know what it is about. But spoiler alert, it's about consolidation. So, um, uh, so, so I mean, it's 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 freedom and democracy kind of commensurate with us addressing climate change. You know, do we need a more authoritarian approach from government? You know, if if you look at uh, what China have been doing. Um, in terms of, you know, building wind and solar, you know, that that is kind of without really asking the populace. It's just like, by mm. the way, we do plan about, you know, 2100 and yeah. um, we would like to be renewably uh, uh, energised uh, by by then. So, so you know, is democracy part of it? You, you mentioned a little bit about kind of consensual politics versus, um, I guess, our sort of adversarial politics that we have in, in America and, and, mm. and, and the UK. Do you, do you think we can have sort of freedom and democracy and just reform our institutions or maybe do we have to go further than that? So before you answer that, Liz, we don't do DV <laughs> pensions. Yeah, but we do do um, global democracy. That's right. Nice. That's right. Theories <laughs> of government. Is, uh... I, I think, do you know, I think democracy as we have it now is the least worst form of government. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an anarchist by any means, because I love rules and I love boundaries and I love control. I think it's very important. Democracy is the least worst we have. Um, the problem is democracy is basically a popularity contest. Mm. And if you tell the people all the time what they want to hear or what you think they want to hear, or what they should be hearing, and you keep saying it loud enough, you'll win. Yeah. So I think democracy, as we have it at the moment, is the least worst option. And as you say, in China, you're just told that it happens. It's the same in Russia. If you're, t- you know, these are terrible examples yeah. because. Well, and you're imprisoned to... if you if you disagree, yeah. right? Yeah, and I wouldn't want to live in either of those countries. Um, and there's other options and other, you know, other flavors of authoritarianism are available. So I don't, <laughs> I don't agree with that either. But I think also we we've got ourselves into a situation, certainly in the Western world, in, in the innovation. We're allowed innovation in tech. That's great. So people, we chuck so much money, and it's obscene the amount of money in Palo Alto. It's obscene. And most of it comes to nothing. But you have to have the moonshot. You have to do all of this because we'll never get any further if you don't. What we're really bad at is innovating stuff that's broken, but we just shuffle along. The NHS is a perfect example. I don't think anyone who's tried to get a hospital appointment or anything at all over the past five years would say mm. that it's a you know it's fundamentally broken. We've got nurses and doctors striking. It's just a mess. The fundamental, you know, the NHS was brilliant when we started. It was a great idea. My auntie, who I said I'd mentioned, she's 81. She was around before the NHS. She was she's around after the NHS. She loves the NHS. She's in Manchester. She just loves it. Like she just loves it. She uses it a lot. She's 81. When it started, value for money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When it started, it was brilliant. Now because 
the facts and the environment have changed. We have a, an aging population who are all still getting by on the DB pensions. Sorry to mention DB pensions, who are all getting by the DB pensions. But they're, um, you know, the, it, it, everything has shifted. It's not fit for purpose as it stands. The pension system, and I remember speaking to Jerry Moriarty about this from the Irish Association of Pension Funds 15 years ago, and he said DC, and I can't use the word that he said, sorry, Jerry, because it's a family friendly podcast. He said DC pensions don't need to be rubbish. Right. They just they just are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we created the DC pension system looking at the DB pension system, but the people in the room were the ones holding all the risk and said, I don't want any of this. Mm-hmm. And so we created a DB pension system with no risk for the employer, with all the risk for the for the member, because it was the employees in the room. And they said, we're not doing that. Now we've got ourselves into a situation where we've got the first cohort of DC, DC members about to retire or retiring soon, and we're going to have a massive problem. Yeah. It's going to make, it's going to make tax cuts and the, and the quasi-qual nonsense look like a blip because we're going to have so many people retiring going, well, 50 grand's all right, isn't it? Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. And the problem that we had, and this is the, the fundamental problem we, I, I think we need to address within Western democracies, is that we have to have the courage to say this isn't working. We created this for a time that was that we thought would work, but actually it's not working. I don't know how we change it, but we need to be honest admit and i think the the master trust i think we're going to talk about that consolidation maybe should, should we move on should we move Let's on yeah darren um i've got no idea what topic you might be about to raise so, so why don't you tell us what your news story is well I, i'm going to be talking about um general levy oh yes yeah. i saw i saw general levy uh, in the concord in brighton uh, 15 years ago, he was he was awesome. Yeah. Well, I was I was sort of thinking uh, it's it's Brighton related. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but um, I was thinking of a slightly different general levy. Yeah. Oh right. And um, and this is and this is the levy that is um, uh, applied to pension schemes um, to fund the activities of the pensions regulator and some other um, pensions uh, related bodies. And uh, Jonathan Stapleton um, wrote up um, an article in Professional Pensions, and I think it was covered in other pension magazines as well. Um, DWP consults on options for further hike in the general levy over three years. And the move comes in a bid to plug the expected deficit of 205 million. So that's an accumulated deficit and to fund increasing activity. So, um, yeah, like you know, shock horror, government raises tax. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but 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 this is a consultation and it's got three options. Yeah. Right. And um, option, option one, one, obviously, must be do nothing. Costs. Do, do nothing. Oh, well, no. no, 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 no. He's there's running no, our expensive there, there, regulation no, system. There's, okay. no, but yeah. there's no value for money assessment within this, oh, from what yeah. I can see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which could be a topic for podcast special Nicoma who knows who knows can we um, can we get TPR on to discuss the value of their regulation I suspect oh, I that's a push it might be a bit tricky <laughs> it might be a bit tricky but we can continue as we are yes yeah, so there's yes. always a do nothing option then there's that we can retain the current levy structure and increase rates by 6.5 percent a year yeah which will start to plug the gap um, and then you know the governments always have a preferred option and they didn't quite put it like this in the consultation but our third option is our consolidation tax yeah right um, okay uh, basically what they want to do is to increase uh, rates across the board by four percent a year and then um, having an additional premium rate for small schemes uh, memberships up to ten thousand um from 2026 so you know if you can't encourage smaller schemes to consolidate tax the hell out of them um and and and, and um hit them where it hurts in the pocket um and and i think that yeah this is quite an interesting one because yes we do have smaller schemes that might not be providing value for money and might be inefficient and there's lots of pros to the, to the wider consolidation um, regime in terms of um driving better value but also, and I don't know much about this area, but there's also lots of self-administered pension schemes, which aren't really pension schemes. Yeah. Oh, but they wouldn't yeah. be, I don't imagine they'd be good, because well, they I, generally kind of rule them out, don't they? Well, not of the levy stuff. They, I, I, I think, I don't know, I'd have to look, look into this. But I think that, you know, anyone that's regulated by TPR, which they are, yeah, would um, be subject to the levy. So maybe um, can we can take a look at that and, and revisit that next week. But I don't know, right? You know, if the government wants how, to... How much is the proposed tax, have they said? 
Well, it depends because it's a per member levy. Right. Yeah, so it depends on your um, it depends on your the size of your membership. Mm. But I, I did see somewhere it could be as much as an additional ten thousand pounds for smaller schemes. Um, wow. So yeah, it's it's you know it'll hit people where which, it hurts. which ultimately members pay. So you know the, the the you're tilting the value for money without without defining what value for money is yeah. um you're tilting the value for money framework against small providers small schemes um and uh yeah i mean that sounds well you know illiberal. <laughs> it, well, it's interesting isn't it and and and, and i think that it, it sort of goes to some of your points Liz, which is you know we we tinker with the system yeah and we mm. constantly tinker and change the system yeah. whereas some aspects of it are fundamentally broken yeah, yeah. and, and, and yeah, yeah i don't i don't know at which point we just hold our hands up and go sorry guys i've got to start again yeah, yeah. you know you, we've got so far down this road that it's you know there's so many sunk costs there's been so many consultations there's been so much of everything and i don't know what point we say do you know what this is not going to work and, and again because we have this adversarial short-term approach in, in parliament no one cares we've had we used to you know back in the day when the pensions minister changed every 15 minutes i think right. it was the james pennell era oh yes yeah yeah and we and we just you know we changed pensions and no one really cared until sir steve arrived and then he was there for a bit and got some stuff done. And then, well, well, five years. So yeah. I didn't care. Yeah, it's, and then Guy, he, 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 uh, yeah, he yeah. warmed that seat for a very long time. Yeah, yeah he did. And, you know, I, th I remember interviewing a couple of times. And I didn't necessarily agree with his politics and I didn't necessarily agree with some things he said, but he had a drive to do it. Mm -hmm. But again, it's this wholesale fund, I keep saying fundamental, this wholesale change that's needed because we're looking at pensions as something that starts when you're sitting, when, let's be honest, when we, we 70 right that's that's just going to happen so we're looking at pensions as something that happens when you're 70. we've got apprentices at rated media who start when they're 19 mm. and they say to us what's this pension nonsense and they've got parents who are my age which is terrifying but <laughs> when we when we say you know you need to speak to your mom and dad about, about the pension some of the mums and dads have never ducked it we look at we look at pensions we still do us those of us who are obsessed in the industry we because i think we're all car carrying members of a pension obsession right we we care and we get it most people don't and i think there's so much wrong with it and we're going to see a couple of years well in, in in a decade minimum we're going to start seeing if it's going to collapse so i don't know whether i don't know why no one's stepping in before it's a short term it's a short term boost for you know no no one wants to stand up and go hi the dam's about to go no one wants to be that guy yeah. um for me it kind of blows my mind that employers are still on the hook for your retirement or not on the hook but are responsible you know i worked for incisive media back in the 2000s they have some impact on how i will retire i will never work, oh, maybe i will i don't know it's unlikely i work for incisive media again but all these, you know, I've worked for Dow Jones for a couple of years. I worked for an American company. We now have this patchwork and this fragmentation of, of employment history that putting it on the employer, putting your comfort in old age on an employer that you worked for 50 years ago makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. And as I say, the NHS was set up when we came out of the war and it seemed like a great thing to do. And it was a great thing to do. And, and the, the framework that was created was fantastic. The pension system, the DC pension system, was created from the embers of the DB because we could see, we could see that was, you know, dying. Sorry for mentioning DB again. Um, we could see that it was dying, but it was, you know, it was created in the image of that. But it's not, it's not fit. It's not, not that it's not fit for purpose, but it's not the right fit. We need to be taking a holistic approach across the whole. And this is one of the things that John Greenwood was saying on the mm -hmm. previous episode. You know, your house is a really important part of your overall wealth is going to be a really important part of whether you are comfortable in retirement or not yeah. and as i bring back my auntie mate when you're auntie living in greater manchester her mortgage when she got it was fourteen thousand pounds she right. paid it off 25 years ago wow. she gets state pension widow's pension civil service pension and um, she worked for the public sector for 40 years part-time mm. she she's going on a cruise after christmas it's bananas the whole thing yeah. is bananas but she only ever worked for one or two maybe employers mm. and now she's having a lovely time mm. 
the idea that we have a system that's entirely wrapped around who you punch your card in for every day and we expect it to work blows my mind and with the same thing i was so, ranting about earlier <clears throat> this lack of responsibility is, how, how can it work so so should we move on to another thing that we blame the pensions industry for yes um, please for my new story um so that's the lack of investment in the uk and in uh uk uh private markets um so uh to solve this uh purported problem um, as we all know, the uh, disclosure of illiquid assets by by trusts um, has been uh, required. And uh, there's a story in um, pensions expert uh, highlighting that it came in on the 1st of October. So from now on, and I can't remember what the threshold is. Um, and um, I believe there is one, but but uh, I'm not sure the pensions expert uh, article covers that. Essentially, you'll have to provide asset allocation with a slot called illiquid assets. Um, and uh, presumably this is as part of a guilt mechanism for schemes uh, because the case for illiquid investments is so unanimously heard as being value for the uh, private equity managers. Sorry for the for the funds. So. Um, so uh, and of course uh, not exclusively invested in american private equity which is the and venture capital which is the, the the biggest market in the world so yeah um, i'll be really interested to see in a year or so um what disclosures you get because i think unlike with climate change where schemes in general didn't want to be in the line of fire from regulators members going yeah you know potentially it's a material financial risk but we've got no idea of we don't really have any levers to deal with it and by the way society and markets will deal with it and therefore we're a passive investor I don't think any, whilst that's perfectly reasonable, I don't think any trustees went down that route. I think you could start to see a bit of a pushback from schemes if they're forced to disclose 0% against illiquid assets. By the way, they're not value for money. By the way, there's no world in which 2 and 20 can be value for money. By the way, we have no idea how we could actually uh, produce equity between members uh, investing in uh, markets which are priced once a quarter. By the way, you know, we 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 didn't really want to invest, uh, you know, 99% uh, of our assets outside of the UK and pretend it was a UK holding. So I'll be really interested to see kind of how this how this flows through. Mm. Just my my final thought on that. So I, I was really fascinated in the consultation about why they talk about illiquid assets. It's such an odd framing. Um, I discovered in uh, March 2020 that corporate bonds were illiquid. Um, should I should I should I put that on on my asset allocation? I have potentially illiquid assets. Um, it's only something which is a little bit hard to sell and buy. Um, you know, is a is a house an illiquid asset? I mean, certainly at times it's been probably more liquid than corporate bonds. So uh, it depends if I've got a cash buyer and if I'm part of a chain. That's the fundamental of so whether it's a liquid asset or not. It's not really about the characteristic of the asset. It's about the characteristic of the market. Yeah. So uh, they never really kind of responded to that piece of my consultation response and said, no, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about private markets and venture capital and infrastructure and all of these these things. Um, um, so, yeah, we just got this word illiquid um, and trustees now have but, to respond but, to that. But, but Nico, you're missing the big picture because Am the I, article finishes by saying that, you know, the, the, the reforms he claimed could lock and unlock an additional 75 <laughs> billion for high growth businesses. In, um, while while, while yeah. reforms <laughs> to define contravention schemes will increase a typical earner's pension pot by 12 percent over the course of a career. Hunt said yeah. comprehensive reforms will increase pension pots by as much as £16,000. I tell you, if um, an insurance provider or um, a pension scheme uh, made such bold claims, then oh, um, I think our regulatory oh, friends... I've got another bold claim. Have, I've got another bold claim because I've rejected a story. There's a, a Hyman's Robertson report that's out in pensions age. Uh, employers could increase retirement pots by what percent by switching DC arrangements? Ten. 15, even oh, more than investing in liquid assets. Um, it's, it's maybe just, that's all the consolidation tax. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, I, and I really feel, I mean, I, we work for, so at Rotic Media, we work with some of the world's biggest banks and world's big, biggest asset managers, and the, the buzz around some of them before the Mansion House stuff came oh, out, yes. it, was, it was tangible. Yeah. And everyone, and I'm not going to say everyone's thinking it was a payday, but they kind of were. Um, but oh, absolutely. The yeah, sharks were kind of, very excited and the tuna yeah. didn't know where they were swimming. It's very, yeah. very exciting. And it was, and I remember going in and saying to this one particular client, I was like, look, just so you know, the Chancellor isn't going to stand up and say pension funds must invest in this. Right. And they're like, well, no, no, he is. I'm like, 
he can't. It's not that. We've got rules and regulations. There's, a, there's like 15 people sat in Brighton. And it's probably more than that. But, you, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You know, they're not allowed. They can't command pension funds. But yeah, and, and the buzz. And then he stood up and said something and fudged it a little bit. And there was 5% allocations and yada, yada. What underpins most of this, Nico, is what you're saying is we don't know what illiquid means. And even mm-hmm. if you did, you can't, for most most illiquid and private markets, and listeners can't hear me doing the, doing the quotes <laughs> with your fingers, there's no way of measuring it. So some of our clients, we were just in um, in Toronto for a, a, I wouldn't call it a festival, it's a conference called Cybos. Um, and it's tournament. <laughs> yeah, tournament. Um, it's a banking, a banking and a technology. Just, and just, yeah. So, okay. Do you know what, as the drinks go on, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, like, let me just take a pause there. Uh, can I swap lives? That sounds like a banking payments uh, festival. Conference. Oh, my so goodness. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I can't um, pretend to be jealous, but I can. It, it was take fantastic. A piss. <laughs> I tell you what, though, the flights, the flights cost yeah. less to Toronto than it's than I was quoted to go to Manchester by train. Oh, wow. Oh. Just leave that there. So, oh, but, wow. but you get in the room with these banking and finance and tech people, and they're talking about the future is digital assets. That's it. There's mm-hmm. no deserting back. It's digital assets. But we're nowhere near that. And with private markets, it will never happen. By the way, no. It's not, with it's private not markets, <laughs> it's all still being done on spreadsheets. Yeah. For the vast majority, and the solutions that are being created, some of our lovely clients are creating these solutions. But you need them to be plugging in from both ends. You need the private equity and private credit and all the different private market managers to have their data. And we all know what a mess data is because we've all worked in pensions. You need that data to be correct. It's got to plug into a system that fundamentally, again, fundamentally, understands your system. And only then can you strike an app. And only then can you get it all worked out. And if you think that we're going to do that by next year, so a pension scheme at best can say, I have a strategic allocation of that. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I really worry about coming back to sort of the, the shallowness of our debate now. The hype train, you know, just gets rolled out faster and faster. We forget so rapidly the the, the previous hype um, just after it crashes or maybe just before it crashes. We've got a new hype to get excited by. Uh, I'm really shocked at how uh, frothing at the mouth uh, investors are around AI, which to me is just mm. like a rebranded yeah. spreadsheet right it's yeah. it's a complex spreadsheet but we have um, the same we have the same with blockchain do you remember blockchain about five six oh, years 100%. ago 100 and crypto the world right and and now you know uh, essentially one the, the, the starting gate was getting lots of pressure from the private markets guys you know who all charge two and 20 right let's not beat around the bush there's there's quite a lot in it for them um and uh well uh you know it it, it, it uh, there's a whole other debate about performance fees which also comes into the uh the disclosures um and alignment of interests um and i'm not against performance fees at all no, no. Um, i know that some of the schemes are would i rather pay like zero and 30 I don't know what the right balance is, but plausibly, um, very hard to do a, a charge cap disclosure. Um, oh no, it's out, right? So you know, it's, <laughs> it's this sort of mad accounting world where we've given them their head now, and it's their job and their marketing team's job to tell us how brilliant the illiquidity risk premium is, how yeah. fantastic it is delisting companies, you know, swapping out management, loading them up with debt. How fantastic that is for the returns but, on, on, but some, on companies. But some, but here's the thing. This is the value for money point. Sometimes it is the best thing for a company. There's oh, loads sure. of yeah, really yeah. crap listed companies, loads mm. of them. Mm. And if and if you get and this is what private equity started out life as back in you know 200 years ago or whatever, however long stock exchange existed. I did write on that, but I've forgotten. Well, private but, equity was the first equity. Let's let's yeah 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 it was right. it was. But that fundamentally, I've got to keep saying fundamentally. You need to do a, a, a somebody somebody. Well, we beep to, you. <laughs> yeah yeah. And um, this is how you know. There's no problem with taking a rubbish company, turning it around and making it a better one, because that gives the investor better value yep. for money. Yeah. But it's not, you know, I, I host a lot of roundtables, a lot of private equity, private credit, private other types of debt managers. It's really difficult to do it well. It's really difficult. The, I think as well with the listed equities, you get a free pass because no one really looks behind the, you know, it's just listed. Mm. And it just kind of happily mm. does its merry way with yeah. private market companies and private companies. It, you know, there's more scope to, 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 for it to be obvious. You know, there's plenty of companies, you know, zombie companies, we call them, don't we? There's plenty of companies that shouldn't really still be going. But they are like Wilco, like it wasn't and then it was and then it wasn't now. Yeah. You know, but, but there's plenty of terrible companies and the interest rate environment we've had. 
yeah, we talk about this for years and years and years. And I think this is another thing which com comes into we need to be able to fail. We need to put our hands up and say this isn't working. We need to start letting companies fail. And, and it is terrible for the people affected for their jobs. I get it. It's awful. But the longer you keep companies on life support, the worse it's ultimately going to be because, you know, this it just economically. And I was off today that economics because I was up north. Um, economically it can't it can't be good for the end investor for the end saver yeah. which is why we're all here so i think that is the longest news section we've ever done well, i'm really sorry no that's that, all right Liz. it's all right it was um, incredibly interesting you can um, imagine what our news meetings used to be like at dow jones can't you i'm surprised you've got a paper out right well <laughs> well it's a review of mark cobley blimey <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, how did you get into pensions? I got into pensions because I was, um, I had a, life, a little bit of a life before journalism. I was working with the travel industry um, and the bottom was falling out of package holidays in the 2000s. So I'd always wanted to be a journalist, but I was a bit, I had a bit of the imposter syndrome, which is hard to believe now, right? Mm, but I was yeah. just like, oh, I couldn't overcome possibly. that very well. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, strode over that hurdle. Yeah. Um, but I took myself off to journalism college um, after I finished in, in, in travel and did a meddled about in management consultancy for a bit um I took myself to journalism college ended up down in london i was meant to be doing some some um work experience unpaid of course uh, the travel trades gazette which is one of the one of the rags for uh, for the industry and i went in on my second day in down in sutton and i met the i met the editor coming out of the lift with a box and just like papers everywhere and i'm like this doesn't look good yeah. um i went upstairs and it was like drop the dead donkey it was just it was just chaos and i was like what's happened like you can't be here I'm like okay I'll, I'll go then so i got back on the track i went and wandered around sutton for like two hours going, what we gonna do? and rang a mate who i'd worked with in travel and she said, oh, don't worry, my husband's a publisher. I'm like, OK, what does he do? Well, he works in, I don't really know, she said, go and see him. So I went up to Axon Bottle Court. And for those who remember the MSN days, and I think every publisher has been there, I rocked up and I was like, what am I writing on? He said, here's, an, here's a press release. It's from MSCI. And it's about a change in the index. I'm like, those words don't make any sense in that order. <laughs> Hold me back. <laughs> this is... I was like, OK, so I kind of got through that. And then uh -huh. um, I got another one, a Bob Dole press release. And then someone kind of put, leaned over. It was Nick Paler. It was Nick Paler, who's now, um, he's, he was went to PR after a while. And he put his head around. He said, um, do you want to go and see Robbie Williams at the weekend? I was like, I can't afford it, mate. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm brassic, you know, living in London, working here for free. And he said, no, no, we're being taken by by Abby. I'm like, who's Abby? No, Abby the bank. I'm like, hang on a minute. What? <laughs> and he said, yeah, no, you just have to be at Euston Station. 10 o'clock Saturday morning. I was like, and then, and then the cavalcade of freebies arrived. And I thought, I'm going to get something used to this. And I ended up working for Global Pensions. Alex Beveridge obviously saw that I had the thirst for pensions. And I ended up working for Global Pensions for a couple of years and never looked back because I realised what an important part of that it's not just old people like you see pictures in the Daily Mail, mm. like walking on a beach. It's fundamental to, to our entire society and economy. And without pensions, the whole thing's shot. And so I kind of grasped that fairly early on. And there was a lot of champagne in those days. So that's how I got to pensions. So the first time I ever met you oh, uh, God, yeah. was in the Verve Picot enclosure <laughs> at Lords. So <laughs> Sounds about right. And I say I was not inside. I was right. looking over the fence. <laughs> and came over right. and said hello. At least you're consistent, Liz. At least you're consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. And and I think going back to the value for money, you know, it, I don't that's think That's our next that... question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our next question. Okay, sorry. So, so, sorry. so how do you relate that to value for money, Liz? Well, well, quite, well, quite, and it kind of it kind of dawned on me a couple of years in, and I was at, I was at lunch with HSBC at Nobu, just off Berkeley Square. Love it, right? And my mum rings in a total right because my mum was she's a bit like me in that way. Sure, she's like I've just been charged bloody sorry I can't say bloody it's 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 in the Bible it's fine I've just been charged um, two and a half percent by HSBC because we took some money out in China. Her and my dad have been on a trip to Shanghai, long story. I was in charge 2.5% for withdrawing money from the Hong Kong and Hong Kong and Shanghai Banking Corporation in Shanghai. 2.5%, isn't that disgraceful? Where are you anyway? Said Justin Barclay Square, Mum. What are you doing? Said HSBC, just taking me for lunch at Nobu. <laughs> and 
it the penny kind of dropped at that point. I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we need to do all this. Um, and then you know, I think as well in 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 the industry, the trips got out of hand, the trade media, and Mm. this is something that I've got a bit of a beam on it about at the moment. But value for money, but it's not the spend. It's not what you're paying for. And this kind of comes back to performance fees on private markets and some of the other more, in you know, hard to do asset classes. If you're providing me what I need for me giving you the money, that's fine. Mm. It's mm. the outcome that should drive what we perceive to be value. If you're giving me something like I, I tell you that it costs this much, that doesn't mean anything. What I need, you know, you can give me a spade. If I don't need to dig a hole, it's not worth the money. Yeah. The value for money argument, we need to look further on of what we expect it to do. And if it doesn't do that thing well, or even it doesn't have to be the best at doing that thing, actually, Mm. it needs to do that thing to the extent to which we want it to do, then it's value for money. It doesn't matter what the cost is, really. And this is what the charge cap thing. It's like you're you're kind of doing this one arm behind your back because there might be some re- there are some really good fund managers out there, some private market fund managers. Look at Steve Schwartz at Blackstone. This is not, and I, I don't recommend him. Not FCA registered. He's become a very rich man by making the right bets. Mm-hmm. There's some really good investors out there, and they want to be paid for doing what you know. Every other industry does it. But equally, um, there's a lot of people that um, have paid got paid a lot of money for making a lot of wrong bets as well. Yeah, yeah. No, entirely right entirely right and that's that's what i mean if the outcome is commensurate to what you perceive if you paid a fair price yeah then that's great you can pay i mean i've paid you know a kid came to the door the other week and i i was between meetings and i was you know i was rushed and he said oh i'm doing this prisoner release thing and then i should have realized it was a scam but i didn't want Anyway, so I gave him 30 quid and he gave me some bits and pieces. And I was like, oh, look, I've got to go and speak to a very important private equity client. Leave me alone. So I go and I realise he's just sold me a load of old tap. Right. So the value for that was not right, because what I perceived to have, but the value also wasn't in what I was getting from him. It didn't really matter. It was a 30 quid that hopefully is going into creating a better life for somebody who is out of prison. As I say, I pretty much hope that was it. It could have been a scam. But th- I perceived the value, because when I realised this stuff, like I picked it up and it fell apart because it's all tapped. That really wasn't what the value should have been. The value, as I perceived it, was what I was doing for that kid. Mm, and so yeah. you can pay a lot of money and get nothing in return. You can pay very little and get nothing in return. It's not about the value. It's about the expected return that you get and what you expect to receive and if you don't get that yeah and we've paid a lot of money i mean the average fund manager i love it. the average fund manager isn't average like, i don't know how that works my maths can't work that out but there's a lot of very rich fund managers they're the ones cons- to ask they're the ones yeah, to ask they've got they the statistics consist- <laughs> yeah consistently missed the benchmark but still paid a fortune that is wrong that's so, too many vested interests for that ever to change so so put, putting ourselves in the member's shoes yeah like it's not about investment returns it's not about quality of service it's not about these metrics that we've come up with yeah they're going to judge the value of their pension on what they actually get at the end and um what their standard of living is going to be in retirement yeah 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 and i I think this is where we're going to come a cropper in a couple of years because i know i look at my my sip and i look at my you know a mass wealth and that takes me like i can count it all it takes about five minutes um you know I'm weird. It's a lot longer than it would take me, this. Yeah. Well, I do it like penny by penny. <laughs> but I know that I don't have enough to retire on. And luckily or unluckily, most of my family died and left me property. So that is, you know, I've become the headline, like property is my pension. But for most people, it isn't. And we're going to, and most, I think the vast majority of people in this country, as I say, 17% of adults, according to Pensions Age Story, 17% of adults have never checked their pension. Yeah. In a couple of years, they're going to get there and see a number of like 50, 60,000 pounds. I think that's great. The expectation, I knew you'd try and get that in. <laughs> you know, you, expect- your, your, your tactics for getting in multiple news stories are just yes. incredible. I'm a journalist at heart. Um, but the is the expectation that's going to be the issue because people expect, people are seeing their parents and their grandparents having this lovely time. Mm. Their expectation, because don't forget, they're seeing their pension go out every week or every month mm. on their pay packets. They're expecting to get something similar. And someone needs to start telling these these poor people that 
it's no it's no way they're going to get what their parents got you know yeah. decent doesn't have to be rubbish but in many cases it is and it's like i think we are going to have a backlash against all these you know and people will say it's banks because they don't understand how the financial system works because why should they and also the narrative we have at the moment as i was ranting at the start is we speak treat people like idiots they're not going to understand but i've paid all these fees to these guys why am i so poor yeah. you're so poor because your expected outcome was going to be rubbish anyway because you're putting in three percent yeah 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 um so just coming back to yeah so so do we think that um is this an income for life is it a pot that i can spend is there should we have rules for how we consider this? I mean, one of the things in the consultation of value for money is that it's entirely vague on what decumulation yeah. looks like, right? So it's just about accumulation returns. It's not about contributions. I imagine you thought that the Nobu value for money was uh, through the roof on the basis that you didn't pay for it, right? So, I, right. I, gave, I, gave, I gave two hours of my time and honestly, I enjoyed most of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not all, but uh, the black cod I remember was the. Uh, actually, I haven't eaten at Nobby. I had the. I made the mistake of. Uh, I think my first anniversary with my girlfriend. I, I was like, we should go somewhere posh, um, and all of a sudden the bill came and it was just like this. One of the worst moments of my career it was like, <laughs> what you know, one year into being a kind of junior actuarial trainee, it's like, oh, this place is actually quite expensive, isn't it? Like, yeah. You got. You, you got feast. You got. Well, you got feast. I think she was happy, and I'm still with her. So yeah, you know. Oh, so it was value for money. You know, only, yeah, only like a pension. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, 16 years later or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, that, that what a brilliant segue. So, uh, how, how do you assess that? How on earth do you assess that? Right. So, so. Uh, if we're looking for what value for money is going to be for, I think my auntie's generation and my mum's generation, my dad's generation, I mean, mum and dad didn't live long enough to enjoy their pensions. They didn't get value for money. They both mm -hmm. died at 73 and my dad didn't really retire because he was a bit, he, he loved working. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, but my auntie is getting value for money. She retired at 16. She had 20 years, 20 years. And if I and I I have this ex, I explain to her every so often how the pension system works and no she didn't pay into her state pension I'm paying into her state pension and we have to go around the houses again, um, but she is getting terrific value for money terrific value for money mm. how our generation and the generation one a couple one or a couple of others are not going to get to own tremendous value for money the ones below is going to be even worse and I think we need a as I say we need a, a, a structural reform which makes me sound like a politician and an admittance that what we have isn't working and I know that there are because obviously we're all obsessed with this but there's pockets of innovation within the industry but it needs people to be brave and it needs people to be bold and it needs a lot of these lovely asset managers who are my clients and platform providers and insurers and everybody involved in this ecosystem that gives us these lovely big houses that are obviously still mortgaged we need everybody to admit that the system isn't working for the end member and until we do that we're just writing checks that no one's going to be able to cash at retirement because we've got to look at wealth holistically we have to look at what we own what we spend um, you know, the bank of mum and dad is a bit of a joke because it isn't. It's so a mortgage of mum and dad. I, I agree with all of that, but who in the system is incentivised to to, to speak through that? And this, and this, and this, this is, is the major issue. Yeah, this is the major issue. Until someone's got the the, the guts to say, do you know what? I, I admit that all my chips are on black, but I'm going to mm -hmm. hope we get red. And this is this is where we are because the politicians aren't going to do it. The providers are they? I don't know. And I think we need someone to come in with a ready-made kit and say, "Here you are, plug that in." Mm. So but should the PLSA be should the PLSA be leading the charge on this? I think they've got too much else to do because the PLSA is that they work really hard, but there's so much that needs fixing. I think it has to come. It has to be organically. We can't like look at the dashboard. I mean, I'm surprised mm. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't come up. What a what a disaster. Like the whole thing. I remember writing about this 15 years ago. We started like, brilliant, we're going to have a dashboard. <laughs> you can't ask people to do something because they won't do it. You can't tap because, yeah. you know, oh, we've had coronavirus. Like, why the HS2? Well, we haven't had HS2 because there was coronavirus. And honestly, the costs have changed and you and the North aren't worth it. That's what that was. Sorry, my political opinions came out there a little bit. Yeah, I, wonder, I wonder how you vote this. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah. But, but it would have been the same whoever was in charge, really. 
you can't task somebody with doing something unless they have the idea and the motivation to do it themselves. And mm. trade bodies don't because they can't upset the people who pay them. And it's the same mm. for any trade body across the whole yeah. world. Yeah. So it's got to come from us. And it's got to be either a side of desk project or it's got to be, I can see a way to monetize this project. And mm. until we have someone with the guts and the intelligence and the reach to do that, will kill, still keep stuttering on. And I think I'm paying 5% into my pension. So I'm not, you know, but I know, I know what is ahead. And I have a husband who worked in investment banking for 12 years and didn't pay into a pension. And my God, what a waste of time that was. But at least we know where we're going to be. So we can plan. You've got 80% of this country, maybe, well, at least the 17% of adults who have never checked their pension according to pensions age. They don't know what's coming. But yeah. we need we need somebody and it's got to be within within the industry. We can't task someone with coming up with a solution. Google, we, Google was created for a problem that we didn't have. Mm. We need that kind of innovation, because until we get that, it's just going to be vested interests. How can I make money? Who's going to help me here? Who do I help there? It's not going to work. We need the innovation to come from someone who, who really cares and gives a damn. We, we, we've touched on HS2 a few times. Yeah, and I'm I was. From um, I'm from the north. You know, and, and you know, I was, I was sitting at my desk, and I quite often have the telly on next to me, and I've been watching their toy party conference, and um, it was um, there was an interview with Laura Trot, pensions minister, and it was like, oh, we 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 now got Laura Trot, pensions minister, and I was like, you know, usually, especially listening to a toy party conference, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> right um that's me snoring by the way <laughs> would you rather be at the tory uh, conference or the banking and financial payments conference I uh, uh, the latter definitely okay yeah right. they're, they're, yeah, yeah definitely 100 so anyway, what did you try to no i was like i was like oh my god we've got the pensions minister on the telly this is this is good like you know like, yeah. um pensions minister what's happening with hs2 you know um, uh, you know is there disagreement and they're just like oh for goodness sake so you know and and you had two days two and a half days however long they've got, and every question they were asking was always about hs2 now it's important yeah. yeah um you know um it's a big issue but that goes to your i think dumbing down of the debate point this because um I've, so i have a counter hypothesis well, no, 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 goes no, no, to the incompetence of the tory party of controlling the, the narrative right so they could have they could have announced it in the very first speech all right they could have announced it last week yeah, they could have announced it right yeah but, but instead but, they they leaked it right yeah, yeah. and then they never accurately confirmed or denied the leak right and they just have allowed this monster to grow right strategy, the media strategy was horrendous which links me to something i need to promote before I go but the media okay. strategy was horrendous um but I think it's part and parcel of this adversarial thing we had a perfect opportunity to say what was your plan for pensions minister because we have a real issue but the quick and easy the yep. quick and easy headline which is the media's fault actually and the, well, maybe on the next time you invite me on we can get on to the, the, the issues we have with the media is that we'd rather just get the headline yeah yeah, and, and, that, and that's, the way Darren's eyes just widened then was brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other, the other, my other point on HS2, um, and, and not asking you to reveal your political colours here, but uh, Liz, uh, we'll let our listeners make their own judgment on on on, on that. But we'll label reverse <laughs> it. I don't know. I, I don't vote for Labour either. I'm I'm Kyle Cameron Lib Dem. I'm Kyle Cameron Lib Dem, so we'll never get that. You're wearing a. We can see you're wearing. Yeah, a, wearing a jumper. Um, yeah. I, do you know what they can't? And this is this is a really good point. There was a there was a guy on, last, on the radio last night, and he was asked the same question, and he said we can't. He said even if we wanted to, and he dodged yeah. the question, he said we can't. So because in the year before we come to power, or if, if we get into power, so much would have been disbanded, it would cost so much to get it back. So no, and it's a real it's a real shame. And I'm from I'm from the Lake District, so we're even mm. further north of Manchester. We don't even have proper we train the West Coast main line whatever but it's it's a it's such a shame and i always knew it wouldn't happen because i don't believe any anybody and i'm cynic um but then the media narrative nico was absolutely shocking and if oh. they had any wherewithal around them they would have nipped this in the bud early on they said that's oh. what's happening it's gonna we know you're gonna yeah. hate it but here's all the other good things we're gonna do yeah. which and i'm, which I'm won't really situation by the way the the, the all yeah, the good stuff it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter and yeah. um, yeah. Which brings me to, can I, can I tell you what I need to promote? Because I've, I've got to go. And yes, well, no, we need to ask you the question. Hang on a yeah. second. Yeah. Hang on. So, 
Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> it's just been, it's just been, I don't know if you've, I've enjoyed it. Have you, can you? Can Absolutely. You well, we've covered I, I, the bases. We, 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 we've, yeah, it's been a very free flowing discussion. Um, <laughs> and um, we'll send you a soapbox as a present. Uh, oh, I've got plenty. I've got a cupboard full. I've got a cupboard full. Um, so, ask, ask, you ask, so the question you've so, yeah. What are you up to at the moment, Liz? Well, <laughs> yeah. well I'm oh. glad you asked me that. <laughs> um, uh, so in, in in a moment I'm going to be hosting a panel on the future of fixed income and sustainability. So that's interesting. Um, but but that's more, in the past. That's in the past. Yeah, you're about by, to by it, it yeah. won't come out until the future. So that's oh, right, okay. okay. Um, but we are so at Rotate Media. We've just launched a magazine. We launched it a couple of months ago called Financial Promoter. Financial Promoter is entirely for financial services, marketing, and comms people. So policy wonks product people you don't get a look in um <laughs> the, the smes the talent no 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 none of this is used for the marketing and the comms people entirely about campaigns about messaging all that good stuff we launched financial promoter www.financialpromoter.com and we are hosting a our first ever event in march nice. uh, so yeah, it's going to be at Tower Hill, near Tower Hill, and we're only inviting people from marketing and comms within financial services. So nobody from grocery, no one from travel, no one from infrastructure, just financial services. So that is what is taking all my time at the moment. It's incredibly exciting, um, but also building something from the ground up is quite tough, which is yep. why we're stuck with the same old systems that don't necessarily that. work. Um, well, um, so and, that and is www.financialpromoter.co.uk. Okay, thank you. W, w dot. You missed out a W, Nico. <laughs> they got it. Yeah, Everyone I think they'll probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry, sorry, we... internet users. There's this thing called the internet. <laughs> the World Wide Web. The World yeah. Wide Web. But it's been lovely. Thank you for letting me. I, I presume we'll cut this down to like seven. No, 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 no. This goes. This is this, oh, is, this is as live as live. So, so Darren, yeah. Darren, what are you up to? Um. Well, I'm just looking forward to the PLSA. So um, week after next, um, hopefully see many people up there um, for a good debate, good discussion and further chat about pensions. Awesome. Um, so I'm on a webinar with uh, uh, PI, Rival Magazine, um, uh, Sustainable Strategies webinar on the 15th of November. And then there is a link later's uh, Mansion House Reform event on the 17th of November. So I'm in there, I think, as the... Uh, the cynic uh, or the fool, not quite sure. Um, so uh, looking forward to those. Um, next week, who have we got? Uh, we've got Alistair Byrne from State Street. So yeah. Would say that. Yeah. And then and the week after, we've got Margaret Snowden. Um, yeah. And Mr. Richard Smith. Hi, Richard. Um, yes. I've bagged him to give us an update on the pensions dashboard. Um, but also, he's just recently done a tour um, of mm. dashboard countries. Um, I think it was written up in Pensions Expert, but yeah, we're going to yeah. get him on the pod to to talk us through some of his key learnings on that. So that'll be good. Dashboards are, yeah. The Very much looking are. forward to speaking to Alistair next week. Uh, thanks as ever to DG Publishing. We're not in the pod, but we will be next week. We will um, be next week. Which is something to look forward to. Thank you so much, Liz, for joining us today. Thank really, you. really interesting. Thank you Brilliant. for having me on. Um, it was great to see, see you at PLSA. It's going to be a, going to be a blast and hopefully no LDI crisis this year. No, yeah. no, exactly. I should say, for the avoidance of doubt, I'm not at the PLSA this year. Oh, yeah. um, so we'll, there we'll, you we'll, go. We'll, You'll we'll, have to... We'll have a drink before you. Yeah, yeah we'll pour one on the floor. We can go for lunch at, at uh, the Nobu Barclay if you want. <laughs> Well, is that on Basic Media? Is that on Basic Media? I'll still get HSBC to pay for it this time. Oh right, well I'm a, I've been charged that two and a half percent several times. Um, until next time, right. <laughs> it's goodbye Thank for you me. So much, guys. It's goodbye for me and Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>